Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is Classified. This is Mocha Only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, my brother Ali? Fight Diggy, Tribe Called Quest. Eloquent, man. What up, Styles Peter Ghost. This is Ab Soul. This is K.O. And you listening to the Come Up Show, where that feel-good music lives. Hey. This is the show that you come up on, yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong, yeah. Hey, welcome to the Come Up Show podcast. My name is Chuddle, host and founder of the Come Up Show and yo, last week we celebrated our ninth year anniversary in Toronto at the Drake Hotel. I just want to say special thanks to everyone who came out, who supported, and even the people who didn't come out and showed us some love on the social media and they couldn't come out. Thank you very much to all our supporters, all the people who appreciate what we do in the community. We need you. We don't do this just for ourselves. We are trying to contribute and doing our best to make a difference, to give these artists that we appreciate a platform. I would love to give a special thanks to our promotional partner, The Academy. Special thanks to Throne Barbershop and The Closet Inc. for sponsoring the event. And all our artists, Etnell, K-Forest, Mac Davis, and our headliner, Blake Carrington, who put together an explosive performance my guest today is Blake Carrington, an artist, father, and inspiration. I'm excited for you to hear our conversation. I'm just watching him and his energy, and this is a podcast, this is audio, so his energy, this guy is special. That's all I can say. He's been through the ups and downs. He's pursuing his dream, and there is no quitting. His album Failure is out now, and Failure is an acronym that stands for Finding a Way. And loving yourself reflects excellence. That is a definition that he's attached to failure. And we're just going to get into this conversation. And I know you're going to enjoy it. Make sure you, you reach out to Blake Carrington if it inspires you in any way. Let's get into it. Please introduce yourself. Blake Carrington, a.k.a. Failure Carrington, a.k.a. We Self-Made, Self-Made. Finding a way and loving yourself reflects excellence. Finding a way and loving yourself reflects excellence. And that's the title for the album, Failure. And we're going to get to that in one second. But I, I, I want to know, where are you from, Blake Carrington? Because sometimes they hear Toronto. Sometimes they hear Saga, uh, Buffalo. You're in L.A. You're in Japan. Like, I don't know where Blake Carrington is truly, what, what, what he truly represents. Like, where are you from, bro? I'm from wherever the love is, first of all. I was born in Toronto. Raised in Buffalo, New York. So I was back and forth my whole life coming across the Peace Bridge. And I mean, meaning my dad is African-American, so that means I have family all over the states. You know what I'm saying? So L.A. is where my Aunt Ethel lives, you know what I'm saying? And five years ago, I took myself out to L.A. to go put myself on, network with people, and I happen to have an auntie that stays down there and cousins. And I stayed over by Slauson and Western. I stay in the hood when I go to L.A. I don't stay in fucking Beverly Hills, North Hollywood, Studio City. I don't stay there. I stay where my family is. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I am exactly where the love is, for sure, for sure. And I mean, and I, I have a Nova Scotian heritage. You know, I'm related to the Downies. You know what I mean? So I'm all black and native. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's all love. Okay. But Toronto is what you hold down. Yo, Toronto and Buffalo, New York is what I hold down. Both of them. Both of them is what I hold down equally because, you know, Toronto showed me multiculturalism. You know what I mean? Buffalo showed me how to hustle. You know, so when you take when you take both of those situations and you put them together, you know what I mean, you have an understanding of what you need to do. But L.A. is the one who put me on the game because I didn't know about the game business-wise learning from anybody in Toronto or Buffalo. I learned my game in L.A. And that's the one thing that uh, the weak that's the weakness of a lot of Toronto artists the the business aspect and you know there's a lot of reasons why that what did you learn you know when you went to L A when you say I learned the game the business you got to remember man a lot of people put like a lot of things on like Toronto artists because they don't know why don't Toronto artists know you know what I mean like how come we don't ask those questions how come there's only a select few who may know the business of you know what I'm saying? What the industry is in Toronto? Is there really an industry in Toronto? Was there industry in Toronto before Drake popped up or any of these major artists popped up? Really? No. And the average 
artists in Toronto or wherever is probably focusing on their craft, which they should be doing. But the problem with it is, is who was the smart motherfucker? Can I swear? Yeah. Okay. Who was the smart motherfucker to put the artist in debt? The artist is in debt in every situation. The artist is in debt, you know what I mean, for studios, videos, everything like that. But who, but why wasn't a no artist ever, ever smart enough to basically say, you know what, let me just funnel this through what I want to do. The craziest thing about incredible artists who handle their business and their work ethic and are par with both of them is you never hear about them. You know, you don't hear about people like Tech 9 You don't really hear about Dom Kennedys. You don't really hear about Nipsey Hussles. You don't really hear about swollen members. But they handle their business, and they handle, you know what I'm saying, their music. And I said, you know what? That's a good way to do it, you know what I'm saying? And I dedicated to myself to doing that. And that's why I think a lot of artists don't do that shit because they're too busy on, like, websites instead of reading books, you know what I'm saying? And when you read books, you get the answers. They tell you exactly what it is, what you're supposed to be doing about getting your money and understanding that, you know? Not too many artists from my city, whether it's Buffalo, whether it's Toronto, even in L.A., are selling books with their motherfucking album, giving you tangible goods. The only one who really helped me understood the game is Nipsey Hussle, you know what I'm saying? Tech Nine, you know what I mean? And when I look at shit like that, I follow those kind of artists and Dom Kennedy because they shipping their product to Best Buy directly, you know what I mean? So it's crazy that you don't really see what where's, what I'm seeing in Toronto, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like the level that we're at right now with the platform and all the buzz surrounding our city, you know what I'm saying? Artists should be more on their business instead of just being on getting signed to a label and the label doesn't end up doing anything with them. Because everybody who signed, everybody who came from Toronto lately has just been getting signed to a label and they're not really doing anything that's incredibly extraordinary that hasn't been done. The craziest thing is the Americans are going to put you on the game like, okay, we're going to give you this. We're going to give you the same deals that we've been giving to everybody around us in our situation, these deals, so that maybe you can become what you want to become. But I think, like, the artists out here, they're just willing to settle for anything. You know what I mean? And once you're willing to settle for anything, you deserve anything you settle for. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's why artists in Toronto don't really know the business because they're willing to settle for whatever. They're okay with a little bit of local play. They're okay with, you know, selling out the Drake, selling out the mod club and everything like that. But there's way more, there's way more to it. You know what I'm saying? And everybody just need to understand and find their niche about it, you know? And they're, maybe they're okay why they're desperate is because they never had nothing and we've never really seen too much about too many artists get something as well too. So what are some, you know, common business mistakes that maybe you also made before you were put on the game and that mm. you see other uh, uh, artists that are making simple things like that? Well, I mean, like, I mean, business-wise, like, I remember uh, I was in a competition. I was in two competitions. I remember uh, I was in a battle. You get, like, a cell phone from Rogers. And I got... Uh, um, I got a, a contract that says you have to have the cell phone in order to get the cell phone. You have to sign the contract. So I signed the contract not knowing the contract was for like a lifetime or not a lifetime, like for three years. And the phone stopped working. So I sent it in. And I said I didn't want the phone no more. But they're like, you're stuck with the phone. So not reading over things and signing it at desperate moments puts you in a bad situation. Then I won a competition where the dude was like, yo, you know, we're going we're gonna to distribute your single. You know what I mean? And your single is going to go on basically any platform and everything like that. You just need to handle the marketing. So I signed that. Bad deal. You know what I'm saying? Because in order for – if they're, they're basically doing all the work. So if they're not helping you market your song, how the hell are you going to get it to the mass amount of people who you want to get to and sell the shit to and build with everybody? But if I took the time to just focus on my brand and building my brand, doing shows and everything like that, why don't I sell my shit at my shows where people buy it directly off of me and I'm not going through no middleman? And lately, that's the best way it works because you have platforms like um, SoundCloud, you have platforms like iTunes, and this is this, I signed this be way before all those things came about. But now we're at a situation now where it's like, yo, you can get it to the people. It's just so saturated because it's so easy to get to the people. You have to have something that's incredible to grab their attention. They got to fuck with your story, and then they're going to buy your motherfucking product because they believe in you and what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? And that's what it taught me. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like 
having a great team around you, a great team, a great surrounding of people who really genuinely want to see you win, but aren't afraid to tell you that you're fucking up or you're messing up or anything like that. Like I have the best team in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like I have people who always come clutch for everything. You know what I'm saying? And we learn together. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like Rockefeller Records. Like I compare my situation to like Rockefeller Records before Jay-Z became Jay-Z. You know what I mean? Reasonable doubt took him a long time to become what it is. That's why Reasonable Doubt is so classical because he went through so much and did what he had to do and came up in an era when everybody else was popping and doing their thing and he came on his own independent shit. You know what I mean? So this is the kind of situation. You got a lot of mainstream dudes popping in Toronto, you know what I'm saying? But you don't have a lot of industry, like in independent dudes popping in Toronto and doing their thing. And you know what I'm saying? And I'm one of them dudes doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So you said uh, you basically have to have a wonderful, like, uh, like a solid offering. And what what is in, you know, we'll talk about exactly the, about the album, the concept and all that. But what are you offering with this album? Because it's not no standard, here's a CD or just an iTunes thing and that's it. There's more yeah. than, it's more than that. Are you mean what I'm offering product-wise or you mean what I'm offering, like, in everything? In, uh, in terms of, like, uh, the book and okay. that whole yeah, package. Yeah, yeah, Okay, so um, the failure package breaks down into an art book. The art book was uh, created with myself, Sotio, um, Amari Berg, Brandon Dash Samuels, and then you have um, Matthew Flemia from Files on Top, who basically offered a little bit of his uh, artist direction to the whole situation, coming up with the hat and things like that. And you have Matthew Pompey, who is my web designer, and also helped with a little bit of the editings of the photos and things like that. So the art book basically captures where I'm from. You know what I mean? Toronto and Buffalo. I've decided to put it in one book so people have an understanding of where I was mentally, what what areas of the world taught me the way the, my ways, the way I'm talking, the way of understanding. And I basically wanted to capture these places that look terrible to like the average person and show that terrible things. You're, I'm trying to show kids, especially young kids, young men, young women, that where you're from doesn't dictate your outcome. What you do dictates what you want to become. You know what I mean? And that's why I called the album a failure because being from the circumstances that I'm from, we're looked as failures. Like, my father's a recovering addict. People thought he was going to be failing. He's now almost 20 years clean, you know what I'm saying? And you have my mother, who was a young mother, who was in modeling and stuff like that, and she decided to give that up to raise her two sons in 44 Building, 814 Willeridge, you know what I'm saying? And then she moved us to Mississauga, where she thought it would be better for us, but it ended up showing us, it's like you're getting hit by a car because you're not used to all this. You're used to waking up, calling your friends on the third poor Pookie, Sean, Joseph, and you're basically like, yo, we're going to go to Parkfield, we'll walk through the field, we'll do the shit that we needed to do. And I needed to capture those moments and show in that book why being a failure, finding a way and loving yourself reflects excellence is very important because you have to learn that in the environment you're currently in. Then for the people who may not want to get the book, but they want to see a movie, an interactive movie. The movie shows choices. They're based off of live circumstances that I've been through and my friends have been through. And we're showing you that violence is not always the answer. You know what I'm saying? Because we live in a place where even if you did murder somebody because they killed your family, unless you're in the army of the United States or Canada, you're not going to get a medal of reward for that shit. You're going to go to fucking jail for a long, long, long period of fucking time. And what I'm trying to show people out there, if you want to be in the streets, just remember the streets don't love you, but you got to understand something, dog. You know, it's all based off your motherfucking choices. You know what I mean? You could be in the streets all day, but you have to understand something. If you got kids, you got to be there for them because they're not going to remember you being in the streets. They're not going to remember all the money you gave them. They're not going to remember all the toys you bought them. They're going to remember the time you put into them. So that's why choices are the biggest thing. So from the book to the movie, you understand the choices. And then the music comes with it and the music is just 22 tracks you know what I mean not including the intro but like 19 tracks of my life where I was at the time how you know coming from Toronto living in Toronto living in Buffalo then going to LA where you're in a new where your comfort zone is uncomfortable and everything is all fucking crazy and you're living in the hood where gang banging is real where things are real you know what I mean and I never got approached about like yo what set you from none of that stuff because my cousin and my aunt, they're very remembered, and they're ladies, they're in the church, they're very good. The, the hood loves them, you know what I'm saying? And I'm an extension of them. So 
everybody shows me love. So I got to meet different kind of people. You know what I'm saying? Like my first date, when I went on a date with a girl in, in L.A., she took me to a kickback, which was in the hood, which was like a little party in the hood. And I remember I rode up there. I had a blue polo on and some khakis on. And good thing we were in crypt territory because if I was in red, if I was in blood territory, that would have been a problem. And she met me from Venice Beach. She heard my Love is a Wrist mixtape, and she was bumping it. And I remember these dudes were freestyling or whatever, and they're like, yo, you can't fuck with this nigga Blake Carrington. And all the dudes stopped. And this one dude in a wheelchair, like, I guess he's in a wheelchair. He's chilling, and he's like, hey, man, you know, so you rap cuz? You, you rap cuz? You strategic with it? And I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm nice with it, you know what I'm saying? Because if, if you're not nice, they're going to whoop your ass. So he put on the beat. I start rapping. And once I started rapping, they're like, hey, man, this nigga right here, he's strategic with it. And I went out there after I freestyled, just chilling, taking a breath, looking at the moon and the palm trees and shit. And I was thinking about my mom, and I was thinking about my nanny because I just lost my nanny at the time. And the one dude in the wheelchair tapped me on my leg, and he was like, hey, bro, you got to make sure you stay strategic with it. You know what I'm saying? Keep that chrome 40 polished. And I was like, what you mean? He's like, bro, keep up to your dreams, dog. You could do something with this. And this dude didn't know me or nothing like that. So when I got when, when I got told that, that's when I started writing failure because I was already starting to write failure before my daughter was born in, in 2011. It's now 2016 that I released my shit. My oldest daughter is four years old, so this took me four years to accumulate all the information, build up everything, mix the songs, get the production, everything like that. And you get the hat on top of that, which is failure in Japanese on the front because I didn't realize music can take me so far. And being it took me to Japan, it left a memory on me. And I wanted people who bought the package to have that memory to be like, yo, so why is it Japan? Because when Blake Carrington was in Japan, you know what I'm saying? Who would have thought a failure could make it to Japan? And that's why we put that on there. So when you get the book, when you get the movie, you get the album and you get the hat and you pay 150 bucks, that not only gets you the package, but you email me that you bought it and I got your receipt and everything like that. Say I'm in L.A. You bought one of my packages. You're VIP automatically to one of my shows in L.A. So if you're out there and you're from Toronto or you're from Miami, wherever you're at, and I'm performing and you bought one of my packages, you automatically get VIP free entry and you're kicking it with me for that night at my show. So you said that this uh, process and you said that the show, uh, it took you over four years of your life. What was that like, you know, spending, you know, taking that long, you know, it being four years, that's like a long time, especially nowadays, putting a solid body of work. Mm -hmm. What was that? Were you feeling impatient? Were you feeling a little bit frustrating during that time? Oh, man, you got to remember, I was frustrated, man, because I went through court. You know what I'm saying? I had to go to two, two types of court. I had to go to criminal court. You know what I'm saying? I had to go to family court. You know what I mean? My kids almost got taken away from me, man. Like, I was going through it. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I appreciate all my supporters who were with me through the whole situation. But, like, man, you got to go through court, and you still got to raise your kids, and you still got to provide for your kids, and you still got to go take trips, and you still got to go network and stuff like that. Because you got to remember, even though I, would, I never had an album since 2011, you know what I'm saying, which was hosted by the L.A. Leakers. So think about that. I never had an album in 2011, but still, since 2011, my name kept popping up on major blogs. My name kept popping up in media. My name kept popping up in South by Southwest. My name just kept popping up, popping up, popping up. And then all of a sudden, John Tory, our current mayor, says, yo, Blake was one of the best artists I've seen in 2015 at South by Southwest. And I never even had an album. You know what I'm saying? So it's like the process was very... It was impatient, but it taught me being a father to be very patient, you know what I'm saying? To understand that, yo, it's all going to work out, you know what I mean? Steve Jobs in his famous Stanford speech says, yo, the dots are going to connect in the future no matter what. You just have to have faith that the dots are going to connect. You could jot down this whole plan like this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go to A, B, this, and a third. But, dog, as long as your plan A is to make something incredible, it's going to become something incredible. You're going to lose people. You're going to lose friends. You're going to lose a situation. But what are you learning from? You know what I'm saying? I was. It looked like the way my life was, it looked like, yo, he is about to fail, like crash, burn. He about to get a job, call it a day, get a nine to five, not do this music shit no more. Boom, boom, boom. But I'm on these dudes' necks, bro. I'm still on their necks. Like, 
it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, you're going to mention Blake Carrington. You're going to be like, yo, that dude, he's 32, has two kids, and still outraps some of these young niggas who don't even have nothing. That's the craziest thing is that I'm being looked at as somebody who's incredible and I don't even have nothing. But from my generation of artistry in Toronto, everybody turned into like a, a bodybuilder or something like that. They just gave up on it and they just rolled with the times. You know what I'm saying? In my generation, who else is coming with my shit, coming with shit like this? Nobody. Nobody from my city is coming with interactive movies. Nobody's coming with fucking art books and nobody's coming with fucking tracks that are like, like, 20 tracks on one album, giving it to the people. I couldn't just fit my life in 10 tracks. I had to fit 20 tracks on that motherfucker. You know what I mean? And from, like, people understanding, like, it's been, it was an emotional time for me, dog. Like, my dad is crying on my intro. We're having a conversation about why I can't bring my daughter across the border to see him. Because I got to deal with this court shit in order for it to happen. So you got to realize, dog, this is my life. You know what I mean? And it's been a minute since you've seen, because the way music is today is like, we're not too, we're a little honest, but we're not too honest. We're not, we're a little honest of the fucking process, but we're not too honest of the process. If these motherfucking kids knew that this is what you got to go through to do this, that, and the third, and they understood, they will respect the business more, the business side of things. They will respect the hustle side of things. These motherfucking kids, they're just looking at a quick come up, and then their outcome is a quick come up. Failure is not the shit that's going to grab you right away. You know what I mean? No classic grabs you right away. But I know the people who are going to spend 150 on this motherfucking album, they're going to promote that shit because they've spent $150. My album package is worth the same amount as one pair of fucking Jordans. But what does a pair of Jordans do for you? But make you look fly for like a month or two because then he's going to drop another one. And if you ask me, Jordan has the illest come up because his shits cost $5 to make and he's selling them shits for $220. But you buy something from me, you're getting inspired. You might say, man, you know, my life is fucked up. But then you might open up the book. Then you might listen to the album while you're listening, looking at the book. And you're like, yo, if this motherfucker can go through all this shit and have a positive outlook, there's no situation I can't get through. And that's what I want the young people to know when they're fans of Blake Carrington. We're failures. We're going to fail together. But failure doesn't mean you're unsuccessful. Failure means you're still successful because you're still moving. You only fucking fail when you quit. But how are you a failure if you never quit? All these other motherfuckers failed on their business and their artistry, so they decided to pick something else and became successful with it. But are they happy? Are they happy? Because there's still that fucking thought linking, lingering in their head like, damn, you know what? I could have done this. And then they see me popping up. They're like, yo, this nigga's still going? This nigga's still going? What's it going to take for this dude to fucking quit? What's it going to take for this dude to quit? Like, honestly, he still goes. This is what I want to ask, Blake. You are a father. You have two daughters. You are a Canadian rapper. So, first of all, the chances of being a, a Canadian rapper and making it is the chances are pretty high. Like of of like, uh, I'm, what I'm saying, the bar is set pretty high. But you have two daughters on top. So, like, what the hell keeps you going, man? Like, I just said, when is this guy gonna quit? Like, I we you know you know I've been doing this for nine years. You've been doing it for a while as well. And we see our peers come and go and just say, yo, I had to, I had to quit, man. I had to pay my bills. I had a family to take care of, and 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 and, and you know regrets and doubts and like. And they are also trying to be practical as well too, because that's not you know that's not twisted. This is hard. What we're trying to be an entrepreneur, trying to do your thing, is the most, uh, the hardest thing that you're gonna do. It hurts. Yeah. And and when it hurts so much, people then then some people are like, oh my god, I can't handle this pain no more. I'm gonna go get a nine to five. Yeah. So what what keeps you going like for real, man? Why like you know why are you still here, bro? Like I, I really need to know. <laughs> Yo, the main, one of the main reasons I'm still here is because I'm from a family where we don't quit. You know what I'm saying? And one of the main reasons I'm here is because my nanny, my nanny, Julie Gabriel, she passed away um, about like five, six years ago. 2010, um, Halloween, when Jay-Z was supposed to, when Jay-Z was here. And she passed away. 
and she said, because I used to visit her every day in the hospital. There wasn't a day where my nanny was in the hospital and I didn't go visit. I always went to visit her. I went to visit her, check up on her, make sure she's good, make sure her hair was done, make sure she was taken care of. And the more I kept going, the sicker she got, the sicker she got. And she told me, Blake, whatever it is you want to do, do it. It doesn't matter how long it takes, just do it. All my life, I've been around people who quit, let it go. They say, you know what? I can't do this no more, this, that, and a third. But what keeps me going is what my higher beliefs are, you know what I'm saying? And the fact that I'm a father. I don't want to have my kids come to me and say, Dad, I have a dream. And I'll say, well, good luck. Because it didn't work for me, but I hope it works for you. You know what I'm saying? And, and the craziest thing is now when they come to me and say, Dad, I have a dream. I'll be like, yo, that's good. Let's write it down. Let's let's see what's what it is. Because one day they're going to come and say, Dad, I may want to be a doctor. I may want to be, they might say, you know what, Dad, I'm not feeling school no more. They might say at 17, I'm not feeling school, but I want to start my business and work on it full time. And I'll be like, you know what? Let's do it. Because what keeps me going, honestly, is the fact that there are people who come to these countries that we live in, like Canada and U.S. They're from third world countries. They don't have, they're not privileged. They don't have everything. But they come over here and they fucking do whatever it takes to live their goddamn dream. Whether it's eight of them living in one goddamn house so they can all save up and then they buy houses on the block. Then they buy fucking own businesses. So if these motherfuckers can come from God knows where and make a place in this world, why the fuck me being born here why am I not able to do that? Everybody who is, like, it's crazy how all these things that we look up to as normal things now, like touch-tone screen phones, they weren't accepted. They were never going to be accepted. But now it's a normal thing. But when you look at Steve Jobs, when you look at Walt Disney, when you look at all these people, when you look at that dude who did um, fucking Stephen Curry's sneakers, bro, um, I, don't, I don't remember the name. Armor, Armor or whatever. Under Armour. Under Armour. Yeah. The man never had $2 to cross the fucking pay toll. And he he was so broke, he never had that enough money to do it. Imagine if he didn't fucking... Imagine if he just said, fucking, I ain't got enough money to do this. I'm going to just quit. You wouldn't have Under Armour. You wouldn't have fucking Stephen Curry wearing his shoes. So if I quit, what does that make me? All the, after all these years, sleeping in my boy's fucking... Room next to him, Akil's next room, and recording in his bedroom, and his that is his Caribbean father, who's about education, yelled like basically telling us, "Y'all need to make money. Y'all need to do something with your lives. You can't just be doing all this rapping, rapping stuff." I have to prove him that, "Yo, dog, you didn't waste your time when you took me in when I was damn near homeless on the goddamn street. When Vince, when Vince the barber let me sleep in his goddamn barber shop when I didn't have a place to stay in L.A. one time, and he let me stay there because I had to go to a meeting early in the morning, and then one time I had to sleep outside behind the fucking barber shop, and then Mary let me in her goddamn store. You know what I'm saying? Like, I went through all this fucking pain. You think I'm a fucking give up right now, and not have you motherfuckers in Toronto or around the world say, "Yo, this guy is incredible. His story is incredible." But the craziest thing about stories is nobody gives a fuck about your story until you win. So I say, shit, I'm not stopping till I win. And right now, failure, that's my rookie card. Because I ain't done yet. I still got projects I'm coming with. You know what I mean? I started my own business. I started my own company. So expect to see more. Expect me to pop up like the rent. You know, the rent pops up every month. So expect me to pop up with something. To lead some inspiration to where you want to go in your life. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I don't quit. I don't quit. I even get on my daughters when they think about quitting. Because I'm like, nah, we're going to finish this. Even if it takes us a little longer. Because they put stuff like education, put stuff on kids like, you got to finish now, you got to finish now, you got to finish now, you got to finish now. But not everybody learns like that. Not everybody reads as quick as that motherfucker. Not everybody understands that. So why the fuck are we rushing? But you got people who come from all over the world who own fucking buildings downtown because they decided to take a risk to come to Canada and buy into this fucking market for real estate. And now you want to fucking quit? 
when all this money is out here, when all this inspiration is around us, you want to quit? You could change the world, but you want to quit and you want to work for somebody else who decided not to quit? Because you work, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Because you're working for somebody else who decided not to quit. They decided, like, you work at Apple. Steve Jobs, even after getting fired from fucking Apple, he came back, he didn't quit. You work for Bell Canada. That motherfucker, Alexander Bell, didn't quit until he said, listen, I'm going to own this whole shit. Rogers, same shit. All of them had failures, bro. All of them had failures. But the, the greatest thing about failures is you don't see them a lot. You only see their success story. Because they rather market the success story because the marketing, the success story is going to say, okay, well, this can make them seem like they're going to have it all the time. But you don't know. Everybody looks at Drake. I was with Drake when Drake was fucking not Drake. When Drake was fucking no facial hair in DNA lounge by himself wearing the Jordan 5s, I'll never forget, and wearing the Jordan 5s white tee, black jeans. I remember that. I remember that. And I remember him looking at me and I'm looking at him like, who are you? And he's like, who are you? This, that, and the third. That's why when I see Drake, no matter if it's Toronto, no matter if it's L.A., because he's seen me backstage at BET Awards. He sees me pop up. He sees me all the fucking time. And when he sees me, it's all love. I don't expect Drake to put me on. I don't expect nobody to put me on. I'm going to put my goddamn self on. But you be goddamn right that whoever is on is going to respect my hustle, respect what I do. I don't have to be liked by everybody, but they're going to respect what I do. They're going to respect what we're about, and that's what I'm out. That's why I don't quit, Pete. So people are hearing this. I am inspired. They're inspired, and we always hear these things, and we always see success quotes or whatever. But when we're going through the the day-to-day grind, how, what, how do you keep going through that? Like, the day-to-day grind, what do you say to yourself? It's like, oh, you're like, oh, one day at a time, I just got to make it through this day. What, what, how do you hype yourself up? How do you talk to yourself? What are you feeding yourself? It's crazy because I talk to myself a lot. I, talk to myself. I actually talk to myself a lot, too. I, I talk to myself a lot. Like, I have, like, deep conversations with myself on a daily. Uh, well, how about this can work, this and the third. But what motivates me, man, is, like, I live, I'm living right now. I'm not in jail. I'm not dead. I don't have no warrants on me. I don't have no bad vibes out there in the world, you know. So that's what keeps me going, man, you know, that we can change the world. We can change the world. And I had a conversation with Drake one day in his house, in his mansion in L.A., and he was like, you know, Blake, we just made what we liked famous. And and that, like, stuck with me. What? Say that again. What do you he mean said, by that? He said, he said, we just did what we liked and made it famous. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you're around fucking multi-superstar, multi-millionaire, like, yo, man, yo, man, how the fuck? He's like, Blake, I just want to see everybody on in Toronto. That's what he says. And then he says, we just did what we liked and made it famous. We never changed. We just did what we like. And that's the thing, is that when you try to adapt so much to doing what other people like and what you think is cool and you don't know yourself... You're not going to fucking get far, far in the world. You're going to fucking end up in the same spot. So why not just really focus on what you need to do and do what you like to do? And that's what keeps me going. The smile on motherfucker's face and the way niggas look when I show up at an event, and they're like, damn, how the fuck did he get in here? How the fuck is he here? You know what I mean? And then when big media people say, yo, you know, you're popping in your city, but yo, you, you ever hear about Blake? Blake Carrington? You know, like... It's it's not like the hustle's not unknown. Like, they know the name, they know the face, and they're going to know it a little bit more, you know what I mean? So that's what keeps me going is that you got to show motherfuckers, you got to prove motherfuckers wrong, especially in the rap industry because it's already, it's against you. Okay, so are you better than Drake? Are you going to be humming hotter than Drake? What you going to be doing, this, that, and the third? You, and everybody is either your OVO or Weekend, but there's nobody in between that. So what you going to do? What you trying to do? You know what I'm saying? You got other dudes coming up, coming up under that. It's a big fucking, it's a big fucking shadow. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like my brother's crew. You know what I mean? New Money Gang, Saif, all those dudes. You know what I'm saying? They're fucking, they're making power moves. You know what I mean? And that's and the main thing I tell them is, yo, just keep making moves, bro. It's going to work out. Like Belly and, and XO. Keep making moves. They were CP before, but now they're XO. And they're on par with OVO. So, it's out there. 
you just can't quit. And I interviewed Belly before. Belly has like been doing it for over 10, over 10 15 years. years See, the thing is, the thing is, thing about thing, the thing is incredible about yeah. Belly. Yeah. Is Belly been hot? It's just he didn't find his niche the way he has it now, and the, that's what they'll say about me. Is like Blake been hot? He just never found his niche. I was always around the illest. I always had the illest graphic designers. I always know how to scout great fucking people. You know, and one dude who inspires me to this day is like Martin Wong. And Martin Wong is also known as Drop. He's an incredible director, does a lot of shit. And he inspired me. And he, I remember one day, this is before he started working with a big company. I'm not going to mention no names. But he said, yo, just, I want you to win, bro. I really do. But I can't work with you because I'm in a situation now where I have to win. But I want you to win. And that inspired me. To think, because I'm reading the seven habits of highly effective people right now, and they mention win-win situations. Whatever situation you're in, make it a win-win situation. And looking at all these people who are like, who are still there, because Belly's still there, I'm still there. You know what I mean? Cardinal's still there. Rich Kid's still there. Tona's still there. They teamed up with fucking Adam Bomb, and they got a little dope ass thing coming through. You know what I mean? But then you have all young dudes who have it way fucking easier than the people before them had it because there wasn't no SoundClouds. There wasn't no things like iTunes and stuff like that. There was, is either you're hot or you're not. But then there wasn't no, there was nobody to crack the door. You know, Drake being black and Jewish is a beautiful fucking thing, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, those two worlds, it's never been seen. Never been heard of. Singer, rapper, psh, never been seen. Never been heard of. So that's going to open hella doors. But you got to think about it, though. If Drake, being what he is, was willing not to be accepted, decided to quit, would there be a seven-year OVO fest right now? No, there wouldn't. If Oliver decided to fucking just keep Ransom and all those good foots and all that shit popping, would there be an OVO right now? No, they didn't quit. They did not quit. And you can't you can't hate on motherfuckers who are going for shit. That's why hate is so easy. Lies are so easy because it's easy to do. But when you're a true motherfucker and you're prosper and you're going to do it, motherfuckers are going to have to hate on it because they are not able to do it themselves. So they'll try to figure out a way to bring you down. And that's why the failure aspect comes into play. I called my album what everybody goes through, but they're scared to call it and celebrate with it instead of shun it and put it to the motherfucking side. I'm celebrating my failures. That's why you get the book. That's why you get the movie. That's why you get the album. That's why you get the hat. It's a celebration. That's the shit. You know what I mean? And then the music takes you through this whole story so you understand. And that's what kept me going, dog. I'm looking in my daughter's eyes, man. I got to get this. My daughters, they're depending on me. They, they say, yo... Let's get it, daddy. Let's get it. And I named my daughter Story and I named my daughter Rhyme. So if I gave up on fucking rapping and I never became something, my daughter's name Rhyme. It's a constant reminder. Rhyme. You know what I'm saying? Story. But without my story, I wouldn't have my rhymes. And without my rhymes, I wouldn't have my story. So that's how it is. You know what I mean? I'm an overthinker. I analyze shit. You know what I mean? You name your daughter's so connected to storytelling an MC that you you basically gave yourself no way out like there's no I'm not gonna quit like I think it sounds like you're like to make myself not even more quit anymore I'm gonna name my daughter's rhyme and story because yeah. I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this you know what I mean and it's like it's like it's, it's something that people need to really understand you know what I mean you know quitter never wins bro Napoleon Hill you know and you're quoting people like Napoleon Hill. You're talking about uh, seven ha habits of highly effective people. I want to know uh, what formed you to be this type of positive, inspirational, uh, reading books like that. How did that, where did that come from? Well, all my friends are either, you know, just either getting out the game or still in the game or passed away or in jail. Um, lately, more late, like for the last five years, I've been reading more. I wish I wish I was reading more before, but I've been reading more. I read a lot, and 
reading was is like bricks. It's like a perfect brick, you know. So that's why, like, you have to read more in order to build a great fucking foundation. You know what I'm saying? Be around successful people. Be around other people who failed before. Learn and listen. Listen more, talk less. And when I was working at Onyx Barbers, sweeping floors and shit, this guy named Lowell, I look at Kurt and Lowell like my brothers, and they always supported my music. And uh, Lowell was like, yo, you know, um, I think you should really go hard with your music because I was listening to you, and you're really fucking talented. And he gave me a book called Think and Grow Rich. And when I read that book, Think and Grow Rich, I quit. I went like... I quit like in two weeks and then I came back after I went to LA but I took a bus from based off that book I took a bus from LA from Buffalo to LA for three days I didn't have no money I fucking gave all my money didn't have nothing for food and I kept meeting people on this bus and I met a lady who lost her nephew she said keep going I met another lady he says you remind me of my nephew she said keep going I met a guy who was going for his dreams he said keep going and it was like it was a constant reminder you know, and when you're on the road, you know, like you're fucking you're on tour now. Like I got left on tours before. Like it wasn't all glitz and glamour for me. It's not all glitz and glamour. But the thing is, I figure out a way to make it glitz and glamour with the mud. I was always a salesman, you feel me? So now I could sell you shit that I get from the mud and you know, diamonds take the most pressure. You know what I mean? Diamonds are pieces of material that people put an expensive taste on, but they're really they're really nothing. They really don't mean nothing. They just come from the motherland, you know what I'm saying, that gets taken advantage of. And I'll be a whole fucking hour-long fucking fucking podcast, you know what I'm saying? Because that, it makes me so upset that Africa is the center of the world. They have the majority of the world's resources. And people there live less than they're supposed to. And that gets me fucking upset. So when I'm here in the Western world, I am going to make it out here so my kids, 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 kids have a way of understanding that, well, our great-great-great-grandfather never gave up. They already have a platform. They have good lunches. You know, they're not getting sent to school with peanut butter and jelly. They're getting sent to school with those fucking nice sandwiches those white kids used to eat right beside me when I was in school. So they're going to get that. They're going to get the proper education. They're going to get all that shit. And the way to do that, money is a universal language that everybody understands. That's why I feel that racism shouldn't even be existed. Because the only color we should really worry about is green. And if we all only worried about green and not religion and not color and not shit that doesn't really motherfucking matter, this world will be a great fucking place because everybody who's doing stuff in this world has access to money. And the people who don't have access to money are either racist or complaining about it because you ever notice the most racist people are the most brokest people in the fucking world? That's fucked up, but that's the way it is. Wealthy people who are wealthy for the right reasons are happy people. You go to L.A., there's, it's sunny all the time. That's why there's a lot of shady motherfuckers there. But the ones who aren't shady are really rooting for you. You got to look at it like that, bro. And that's the shit that people need to understand. It's like, you know, I say in my song, 100 Grand, I say, blacks can't keep money because we spend money. We don't learn how to save our money. Caught up in the eye want to look rich money. White man, take it all because you need bail money. Just when you get your money, score more men want to take your money. Use your kids as a pawn to get your money. Because you moved on, now you got to pay money. You know what I'm saying? So in that line, we break down money, the situation of money. And you have to buy your freedom. So you have to get money. So to maintain your freedom, you have to have money. Freedom's expensive, dog. Get money. And that's why I say L.A. put me on the game to help me understand about getting money. Toronto showed me do the art. Buffalo showed me hustle. L.A. showed me how to get money. I was in the span of Nipsey Hussle doing his motherfucking, his store and everything like that. And being in L.A., taking the fucking, the Slauson bus. And you stop at Slauson and Crenshaw because I had to go pick up some money from Western Union. And this dude hops out of a Benz and puts up his own posters around Crenshaw. His own posters. When I seen Nipsey Hussle do that shit, I was like, man, this is some game. 
Then I'm talking to Snoop Dogg here in Toronto, and when I'm out there and fucking rock the bells, and I'm backstage and shit, I learned the game, dog. So how you gonna get money? How you gonna get money? Then I seen him do fucking the hundred dollar mixtape, and I said, man, that's fucking it. That's game right there. That is fucking game. But I took it to a step level ahead of him by coming with the book. So now what? It's game, bro. Who knows what I'm going to come with next for my next project. I might fucking be giving niggas plasma TVs or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you never know, dog. But at the same time, it's just going to keep elevating and elevating and elevating. I just want to make sure I drop, like, three books, you know? So my next two projects, they're going to have books, too. You know what I mean? You're talking about uh, what, I, what I notice about you is your networking skills, your energy, and you, you, you've been saying, oh, I'm backstage here. And people are like, oh, how did Blake get there? And, and you, just, you're, you just are very outgoing. And I want to know where that also specifically comes from. Did you have to work on that or, 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 or what? I was always a people's person. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just wasn't liked by a lot of people. You know what I mean? I was always a people's person because, like, I'm a talker, man. You know, like, I put myself, I got a job at, like, a suit place one time. I was working at Jack Fraser's in, uh, in a Square One, Mississauga, and I used to wear suits. So I used to talk to different people, and I used to, you know, I, you know, being in, real, real, being in retail, you know, you meet so many people, you see so many different things, and you have an understanding of shit, you know. And I used to wonder, okay, okay, so ain't nobody going to put me on, so who's going to put myself on? So I, got, I literally have to put myself on. And literally, literally, I can just talk to anybody. I never felt offended or, uh, like, intimidated by anybody famous. Because at the end of the day, the humans just like us. It's either they're going to they gonna, they gonna talk to you, and they're like, man, what the fuck you want? You know what I mean? And my networking, when I, when I, when I was listening to Will, who uh, had, like, a big competition out here, he said, your network determines your net worth. You know what I mean? So when you're networking, you got to make sure you understand that that determines your net worth. So when I took that in, I lived by those quotes. I was like, okay. Well, instead of going to the show and just fucking being a fan, I was like, okay, well, who does this shit? Well, who's, who's, who's behind this? Who's, who's pressing the buttons? Who's working everything? And that's when I found out. And, you know, keeping in touch with people, you know, not carrying any bad character. You know what I mean? Keeping your word, keeping your business and doing good business that... That finds you. And then, you know, at that, that's what it was for me. And that's what the networking is because, like, people are like, yo, how did you get here? How did you get here? This, that, and the third. Like, my biggest year at South by Southwest came from meeting somebody in the elevator who ended up being one of the big chairmen of South by Southwest. And he heard my music. And he's like, yo, how can you not be a part of this festival? Here. Here's your shit. You're on the festival. BC there. You, and I had like three shows. That was one of the biggest f- fucking summers. Yo, tell the story again, man. Yo. What, what, what happened? It was CMW. Yeah. And I was in a, no, it was actually North by Northeast and I was in a hospital. I was in a, I was in an elevator and I met somebody from South by Southwest who ended up being the chairman of South by Southwest. And I said, well, yo, man, you know, let me get your card. This and the He gave me his card. And I emailed him like the next day. And he's like, yo, man, I like your style. You're really dope. Here's a coupon for you to be a part of South by Southwest. And I filled out the coupon, and it ended up was a voucher for you to just be in the festival. You didn't have to audition, no sonic bids, none of that shit. Wow. And that was just three fucking shows. You know what I mean? And then what I did with that, because I had an artist band, is I networked. I'm everywhere. You know what I mean? Ask like Karen Civil fucking said one time in Toronto that... Every time I see this guy, he's talking about Toronto. This is the first time of me seeing him in Toronto, but I see this guy everywhere. Everywhere. She said in front of some big manifesto summit mm-hmm. where they had uh, her, the girl Vanessa, yeah. and everybody. Yeah. And still then, I never got my props. It seems like I get my props elsewhere more than home. And home is the last place to love you because home's always going to be there. They're like, oh, Blake, he's rapping, da 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 Said the same thing about Drake. Oh, Drake, he's rapping, da 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 But now it's like, yo, let me get a ticket. Let me see what's good. You know what I mean? And I feel like networking basically taught me something incredible. You know what I'm saying? With the whole shit of, like, understanding the game, learning the business. And that made me get into management. You know what I'm saying? So, like, behind the scenes, 
of me being an artist. I'm a manager. I manage two brands right now, actually three. You know what I mean? And I, I keep it away from Blake Carrington, but We Self Made has a management part of it. You know what I mean? We have a marketing part of it. We have a film part of it. And we have a music component of it. And right now I have three brands that I manage under the management part. Yeah, man. We've been talking for over 40-something minutes now, Blake. It's been a great conversation so far. Uh, what's uh, some last words you would like uh, to, to leave the people who are listening right now, um, whether they're coming across you for the first time or they're Blake Carrington fans? Um, what I want everybody to know is, you know, cop a damn failure package at BlakeCarringtonsWorld.com. They're going for 150 you know what I mean? Or you can hit up wemanagement at gmail.com to get your personal joint sent to you. And, you know, don't give up on yourself and don't give up on me. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, it's all going to work out for both of us. You know, and um, your failure today may be your first step towards success tomorrow. But don't ever get, don't ever let failure get you down because success is like bottle service. It's around, and it's free, and it's convenient for everybody else. But when you're by yourself, you got to take care of the bill. So you're not if you're not moving, how are you going to get the failure off of you? And how are you going to move towards success if you're not moving? So always keep moving no matter what. Keep failing towards success. And the right failure will take you there. Finding a way and loving yourself reflects excellence. Cop that package, listen to that album, let everybody know. BlakeCarrington'sWorld.com. We self made. We self made. 88 Films. I'm here. Thank you very much, man. Uh, Blake Carrington on the Come Up Show. Wow. What did you guys think of our interview? I hope you're feeling like I'm feeling right now. What I need you to do is go head over to BlakeCarringtonsWorld.com. I'm going to include the link in the description. And you at least need to take a look at the failure package that Blake Carrington has put together because nobody is doing what he's done. It's a unique offering and it includes an album of 18 songs which ties it into an art book that is done by the leading photographer from Toronto, Sotio, and a short film written and directed by 88 Films, an interactive film, and last but not least, a failure hat done by Fives on Tops that is in Japanese. Make sure you check that out at BlakeHarringtonsWorld.com. My name is Chero, and I want to thank you for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday. Peace!